It's okay to pray a cautionary prayer of thankfulness, is it not? I hope so. Well, I don't know. Valentine's Day. I don't know if you looked at the bulletin, but I did put a thing at the bottom here. I did not ask my wife whether or not I should put this in first, so this might need to be edited. I'm not sure. I put a little Valentine idea thing at the bottom of the bulletin. So you, you can decide whether or not you want to do this, but this is something that, as I was putting the bulletin together, um, I felt like I could put in here and it would be okay, but I don't know. We'll see. A Valentine idea. Married couples, this is a Valentine idea for you. Every night this week, take a few minutes to read together a chapter from the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon. If you've never read that book, prepare to be entertained. It's a great book. You know, there are, there are very few topics that an entire book of the Bible is devoted to. This, this is one of those books, and the topic that it is devoted to is, I'll just let you read that for yourself, but married folks, it will be worth your time, okay, to just read one chapter a night with your spouse together, and, uh, you know, just discuss what you read. I would also say this, men, married men. You are in charge of initiating the reading of that chapter each night. This is not the wife's job. This is the husband's job. So, husbands, if you decide not to do this, your loss. That's all I got to say about that. Your loss. But wives, if your husband decides not to do this, don't force them to do it. Okay? It's not going to work if you force them. Make sure you pray before you read. Make sure you're listening to the Lord. Okay, now, unmarried folks. Unmarried folks, I've got something for you too. I would like you every night this week, if you so choose, to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 every night. Read that same chapter every night, unmarried folks. And then every day this week, unmarried folks, I would like you to find somebody to say, I love you to. Now, that somebody might be a parent, or it might be a child, it might be a niece or a nephew, it might be a coworker. I mean, when you read 1 Corinthians 13, we always think, well, that's, that chapter is only supposed to be read at weddings. No, that chapter is actually meant to be how all Christians are supposed to treat other Christians and other people, in fact. It's a chapter on the kind of love, the agape love that God would have us give to others. So, unmarried folks, I would like you to find one, read... Read 1 Corinthians 13 every night, and then as you find somebody to say, I love you too, okay, be thinking of 1 Corinthians 13. Have it in your brain. Now, if you don't want to do that, that's okay. It's just something I thought would be an interesting way to remember and think about Valentine's Day. I can't, 
I, I don't know, maybe Halloween, but I, I'm not even sure. I think I might dislike Valentine's Day as a holiday more than any other holiday. I just dislike Valentine's Day. I, and I dislike it for lots of reasons. It's, it's not just it's not just because I'm not a romantic guy. I'd like to think I'm a romantic guy, but that's just between us. So back off, okay? So uh, I just, I hate Valentine's Day. You know, I, I hate it for a lot. Here's one of the reasons I hate it. Like, I'm, I like history. The historical connections to what Valentine's Day used to be are totally disconnected from what it is today. Completely disconnected. I'll let you look for yourself. I mean, it's like a, it's like a third century Christian saint is where this comes from. And he was like delivering letters to like people. But I'm not even going to go there. That is so far away from, like the Christian roots of Valentine's Day are so far away from what Valentine's Day is today that it just makes me sick. You, Valentine's Day has, we've completely lost connection with, with what the whole idea of agape love in Jesus Christ is. Like we've completely lost it. We have decided that Valentine's Day, first of all, is just a way to give card companies and candy companies and flower companies as much money as we can possibly give them. I mean, why don't we just have a Disney day and just send all our money to Disney? That's about the same. Of course, we do that, don't we? We go to, yeah, well, that's a different thing. But, you know, this holiday, it's turned into a celebration of everything that I personally disagree with about love in our culture. That's pretty much what it's turned into. It's about falling in love. It's about celebrating the romantic part of love as if the other parts of love don't exist. False! So, I made a decision weeks ago maybe even months ago, as I was setting my preaching calendar, right? I made a decision. I was going to completely ignore Valentine's Day. The only thing that you would see that had anything to do with Valentine's Day, I, I decided months ago, was that maybe our pre-printed bulletins would probably have a heart on them, and they did. But I was going to ignore it. And we were going to just march right on into Luke chapter 14. And I prepared that way. I, I got ready. I did my reading on Luke 14. I did my study time. I prayed. And do you know what I got from the Lord about Luke 14? Nothing. Complete lack of any kind of inspiration. And I thought to myself, I'm going to preach on it anyways because I want to ignore anything to do with Valentine's Day. Now would be a good time for us to pray. Lord God, as we open up your word and as we talk about what we're going to talk about today, I pray that you would be encouraging to us, that we would hear from you from your word, and that we would go away from this morning different than when we arrived because we are closer to you. That only happens, Holy Spirit, with your involvement. Amen. Well, this weekend was one of those weekends that fathers dread. 
No, that's, that's different. This was the weekend when my daughter went prom dress shopping. You know, they don't give prom dresses away. <laughs> I have learned that. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're wearing this once. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You, you can buy a car for that. Not a very good car in the present market, but that's also a different conversation. Okay. My family braved a blizzard to travel to Fargo this weekend. And it wasn't, there wasn't even a question. Like, the question was never, you know, maybe it's not safe to drive in this. You know what the question was? When are we leaving? Okay, And you know what else the question was? I'm pretty sure the blizzard will be done by that time. They called off school so we can leave earlier. <laughs> Would you just take a moment and think about what we're talking about here? Lord, help me. We all, I mean, I was like going all over the road. It was very scary. It was very scary. Now, I just want to say, we went to Fargo, mission successful. Okay? All right. I had nothing to do with the shopping, except that's a different situation. Okay, so I was the youth pastor of this church for 10 years. You probably know that, but in case you don't, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and now I've been the senior pastor for about six years. And, you know, I, as a youth pastor, you get a whole bunch of, like, emails and stuff that try to, like, give you youth pastor ideas, and, and you know, you get, you get on all these email lists. Well... Over the course of six years, I've, I've been able to disconnect myself from most of those youth pastor email lists, and I've, I've sent them over to Pastor Mike. But there's just a couple, like really only two, that I'm still connected to. One of those is from a guy named Walt Mueller. You maybe have never heard of Walt Mueller, but Karen and I met Walt about 12 years ago. And he was at Camp Lebanon. He's, he's kind of a national guy. He's a national youth speaker. But we met him at Camp Lebanon about tw You weren't there? I told you about it. So you were there in spirit. You were there in my heart. This is Valentine's Day. So I met Walt Mueller about 12 years ago at a youth conference. And uh, Walt Mueller, um, he, he's got a national youth ministry, and he's a leader. And what he does is he helps parents understand the culture that their teenagers are living in. Like, that's his whole job. Like, that's everything that he does is to help parents understand modern culture that teenagers are living in. Can you imagine that job? Can you imagine having to, parents, can you imagine having to actually know what's going on on TikTok? I don't want that. That's, like, horrible. Horrible. Some of you parents are like, what's TikTok? Okay? It's bad. It's bad. I mean, it's not, it's not like evil, but it's, there's evil on there. Uh, never mind. That's a diff different topic. That's the fourth time I've said that. Okay, here you go. Walt Mueller has been doing this for years, and he actually started an organization called CPYU, the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. And if you're a parent of a youth who attends our youth ministry, this should be vaguely familiar to you because our youth pastor, Mike Quantz, sends a monthly newsletter in the mail, like snail mail, like there's paper, okay? He sends a monthly youth newsletter to you, and if you don't just throw it away, that newsletter is from CPYU. 
And that newsletter every week, every month, I'm sorry, gives an update on what's happening in culture that your children are swimming in. Okay? So if you've always just thrown that away, that letter you get from Pastor Mike, parents, don't throw it away anymore. It's actually quite helpful. There's stuff in there that's quite helpful. Okay? Now, this, this um, Walt Mueller, he doesn't just do that newsletter. He also does a, a monthly podcast. Actually, it's a weekly podcast for parents and youth leaders. And I still get that in my email inbox. And I got one of those last week. And it was interesting. Because the topic of that podcast was choosing a godly husband. That caught my interest. So I forwarded the email to my wife, and, and I thought, this would be really good for me to listen to. So all of you out there, if, if choosing a godly husband might be something that we need to think about, let's think about it today. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I, I, this isn't a, a topic for me. Let me ask you this. Do you know anybody in your life that you could help them choose a godly husband? If the answer is yes, pay attention, please. This could be helpful to you. Yes, of course, this topic today is going to be directed at some of you young ladies that might be needing to know this information. But of course, it's also directed to the rest of us, especially parents that might need to know this. And young men, you might want to pay attention because this is important. All of you young men that might be in the market for a wife. Did I say that? Is that okay to say it that way? Probably not. Well, on the way to Fargo, we were planning our trip to Fargo, and I thought to myself, I've got my girls in this car for two hours. They are trapped. They cannot get away. And so we jumped in the car in near blizzard conditions. And I said, I've got an idea. Let's listen to a podcast. And I forced my daughters to listen to the podcast on choosing a godly husband. And that's when I realized this was really good. I also realized... I'm being convicted by what this guy's saying because maybe there's some growing areas that I have about being a godly husband. And that's when the Lord was like, are you finally ready to listen to me? And I said, oh, going to have to do a Valentine's Day sermon. So here we are. My Valentine's Day sermon, taken from Touchstone Magazine and from that podcast, but from this Touchstone Magazine, which the only, this is how God works. The only reason I have this is because Karen's uncle passed away and we ended up like taking over his subscription. And it just so happens that that podcast is from this letter that's in Touchstone Magazine. The letter is called, A Letter to My Daughter. The seven L's of husband hunting. So here we go. The seven L's of husband hunting. If you're the kind of person that likes to write things down, whether or not you've got a daughter that's in 
in the mode for this. This is for everybody, okay? What I'm going to share, this is good information for everybody. But there's going to be seven L's of husband hunting. And I'm telling you, this is not me. This is this article. But it's so good, I have to share this with you. Okay? That's, that's where we're at. The seven L's of husband hunting. Number one, the first L. The first L. Does he love And these seven L's are presented as seven questions that a young lady, a young woman should be asking of the the young man they are considering marrying. The seven L's. Brendan, I'm glad you showed up. (laughs) The seven L's. The seven L's. Okay? McKenna will fill you in. The seven L's of husband hunting. All right? The first question is, Does he love? I'm going to start right off with a passage of Scripture that we have to start with. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Here we have the foundation of what it means to be a godly man, a godly husband. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The word love has been twisted beyond recognition in our society and culture. And of course, this is the reason I hate Valentine's Day. Because love has come to just mean erotic, romantic love. Right? In fact, the idea of love in our culture has been so twisted that on college campuses today, the idea of hooking up is prominent. Now, if you don't know what hooking up is, let me tell you. Hooking up is sex without consequences. You literally hook up with someone you may not even know and have sex with them. No strings attached. You don't even necessarily need to know their name. That is literally happening on college campuses today. And of course, it's more than just college campuses, but it's become a thing at college. This is a thing at college. Can you imagine that? This is the culture our kids are swimming in as they're trying to find a godly spouse. That's not love. At best, that's just fantasy. It's not of God. Love, and here's where where we get so confused, and I think lots of Christians are confused, and I don't want to spend a huge amount of time on this because I've talked about this quite a lot over the years of ministry, in youth ministry, and and if you come to me for premarital counseling, this is the first thing I'll say to you. You ready for this? I'll ask you this question. What is love? I ask this question of every single couple that comes to me for premarital counseling. The first session, I ask them this question. What is love? And almost everybody, unless they were actually listening to what I was saying for the past 16 years, almost everybody gives the same answer. Love is a feeling that you get for another person. And I always get to say, that's a very nice answer. It's just really wrong. Love is not a feeling. Now, you have been led to believe that it is a feeling. But it is not a feeling. Love is a 
It's a decision that moves you to action. Love is a decision. It's a choice. This is why marriage vows matter. I, don't, I, tell, I tell premarital couples the same thing. If everything goes wrong, right, Nate and Hannah? If everything goes wrong on your wedding day, if your dress starts on fire as you come up, if you have to stop, drop, and roll, if you fall into the cake, right? If one of your groomsmen falls over and splits his head open, we hope that doesn't happen. But if all of those things happen, but you get the vows right, successful wedding day. If everything is perfect, if it's the most picturesque wedding you could ever have, but you get the vows wrong, failure. Why do the vows matter so much in a wedding ceremony? Because love is a decision. It is a commitment of the will to the betterment of someone else. The hooking up culture, it's horrible. But you know what's, I don't want to say equally as horrible, but it's really bad, okay? And I've done this before. Remember last time I played an Elvis Presley song? Do you remember that? The I Just Can't Help Falling in Love With You song. Remember that? False! You don't fall in love. You fall in a ditch. That's the kind of, you fall off a ladder. That's falling. You don't fall in love. Okay? That is not biblical. You choose love. You choose love. You make a commitment to love. Now, Jason, how do you know that? Well, I think I've got pretty good biblical reasons to think this. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Okay? And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. All right. You want to know what love is? God is love. Do you know how love himself has chosen to interact with us? Covenantially. I could pick on Ellie Broughton again. Is she ready? Ellie, gold star for you last week because you raised your hand. Could you tell me once again, what is a covenant? A super promise. Two gold stars for Ellie. Go up to her afterwards and shake her hand. Love is a super promise. God is love, and he has decided to interact covenantially with us. God has decided to make a super promise with us. Do you know why there's an Old Testament and a New Testament in this book? What does the word testament mean? Covenant. The word, it's amazing to me, 95% of Christians do not know what the word testament means. That's crazy. The word testament, it's an old promise, an old super promise, and a new super promise. God, who is love, has chosen to interact with us via super promise. That's what love is. The first L, does he love? You see, when the foundation is the covenant, the super promise of love, and then the feelings of love are built on that foundation, wonderful things happen. There are feelings associated with love. But think about if it's the other way around. 
What if the foundation is the feelings and then you build the covenant on the feelings? Welcome to modern marriage in America. Do you see how that's backwards? Oh, I have, to, I, have to, I have to feel love for this person and then I'll make a covenant to them. Did you get that? What happens when the feeling goes away? It's got to be the other way around. You, you start with the foundation of the promise and the feelings are built upon that. Because guess what? You want to know another feeling? Anger's a feeling. Do you know what anger does? Anger comes and anger goes. Because that's what feelings do. Right? So if, you're, if you think that love is a feeling, and that's primarily what it is, it comes and it goes. I've explained love before, and I, and I use this in counseling. Love is like the ocean when you're standing on the beach and the waves come in and go out. If you're married, you tell me. Is that a good analogy? Sometimes you're like, oh my goodness, I could just spend all my time with this woman. All my time. 24-7. I love her. And sometimes my wife is like, I just want to get away from you. I want to spend as much time away from you as I can possibly spend. You annoy me in every possible way. I did that pretty good. I was practicing that part. I did that really. Okay. So that's the way love as a feeling, it comes and it goes. But if the foundation is the covenant, the feeling does come and go, but love doesn't come and go. Everybody got that? Wow. If I could just have, like, everybody in our culture, maybe just, that's too much. Just all of the teenagers in Bertha, if they could get that. Right? What would be different? What would be different? Everything would be different. Right? Prom would be different. Okay, let's move on. The thing about love is that, and this, this is where it gets interesting, men, men do strange things. Like, if, if a husband, if you saw your wife tied to a train track and a train coming, almost every husband, no matter how lousy of a husband they are, would run and get their wife off the train track and be willing to take the hit by the train. Right? Almost every husband would do that. And very few husbands will just take out the garbage. Do you want to know what the foundation of love is? Does he love? Does he love means you will do the little things and the big things, right? Now, here's the thing. Martin Luther had a a definition for love that I really like. Love is seeking the advantage of the other over yourself. Now, I would add to Martin Luther's definition... Be careful as a pastor when adding to like someone like Martin Luther's definition, okay? So, but I would add to that, th- this is implied by Martin Luther, okay? So he says, seeking the advantage of another over yourself is love. I would add, it's the decision to do that. Love is the decision that you are going to seek the advantage of your spouse over yourself. Now, young ladies... If a man is not willing to seek your advantage over his, think twice about marrying them. And this is big things and little things. This is like, will he open the door for you? This is, will he fill your car with gas when it's negative 20 degrees outside? 
even though it's going to be really cold for him. It's those little things and the big things that when we talk about, I got to move on. I got to move on. We got seven L's. But you see what I'm saying? Ladies, does your man seek your advantage over his? You see, the opposite of love, I think you could make an argument, the opposite of love is selfishness. The opposite of love, I think you could say, is selfishness. A decision to not be selfish for your spouse. Now, see how this applies more than just to ladies who are looking for husbands? And guys, it's going to get a little hot in here shortly. The second L, does he like? So the first L is, does he love? The second L is, does he like? And you might think, well, aren't those the same things? The answer is no. Hey, I've seen a whole lot of people that love their spouse but don't like them. I don't think that's the way it's supposed to work, right? Now, I just said the, the waves go in, the waves come out. Yes, but if, if the waves never come in, you got a problem. So, ladies that are seeking spouses, if, if your boyfriend, if he, all he does is annoy you, like all the time, maybe don't marry him. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. Like if he's just, if, like everything, he, now, I forgot to mention one thing, and this is important. Guys, nobody's perfect. So you, there's always room for growth. None of us are going to get all of these things perfect. That's okay, all right? But ladies, if you don't like the guy, okay, don't marry him. See, here's the problem with the church. When the church, the church doesn't give very good advice about this kind of stuff, and we really need to. Because here's, the, here's the, the totality of marriage advice the church usually gives to young men and women. You ready for this? Marry a Christian. Full stop. I don't think it's enough. Like, there's more. There's more to just marry a Christian. Because you know what? You can find a lot of Christians that you just don't like. You know what else you can find? A lot of Christians who say they're Christians but aren't. So you got to apply some of these questions, don't you? Make sure you like them. The third L. Oh, one more thing about the second L. Can I remind you of something, ladies? You're probably going to spend like 50 to 60 years with this person. You better find something you like. Just throwing that out there. Okay. The third L. Does he labor? Does he labor? Second Thessalonians 3.10. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Now, that verse of Scripture could apply to a lot of areas in our culture today, could it not? Somebody give me an amen, right? But as we talk about looking for a spouse, ladies, if your guy doesn't know how to work, hmm, hmm, heads up. I'm talking about motivation here, okay? There's a certain level of motivation, like a minimum level of motivation that a godly husband will have, okay? So if you're soon-to-be-possible husband 
really likes video games all the time, that might be a warning sign to you. There's some uncomfortable shifting going on. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. Just a little bit of uncomfortable shifting. See how I'm just looking over the top of everybody at this moment. Okay? You can't play video games all the time. If your man plays video games more than... Uh, I want to be careful. I don't want to set a rule. But let's just, say, let's just say you're having trouble getting out of your driveway because the snow has drifted across the driveway. Okay, ladies? And your husband can't seem to get out to shovel the drift out of the way. You might want to think that's a problem. Because he's playing video games. Now, I like video games. I play video games sometimes. After the work's done. Did you get that? And this doesn't just video games. It's like, well, I don't play video games. Yeah, when's the last time you binged a Netflix show? You know, we really ought to get out. We really need to get the oil changed in the car. It's like 8,000 miles over, okay? Yeah, but I'm really into squid games right now, right? No, no, that's not okay. That's a Netflix show for those of you that, I don't recommend it. But I, you see what I'm saying? This is what you should not be doing is binging a Netflix show when you've got stuff to do. Do you see how this is kind of a youth ministry sermon? I'm trying, but they're not with me. I don't know what to say. Okay, this, this, is, this is important. You don't binge a Netflix show when there's work to do. Everybody got that? When there's work to do. Okay, you, by the way, if you want a job, they're available right now. Get a job. That was for free. I can, I can give these all day. Get a job. Okay. The second thing about this, though, does he labor? You got to remember this. Now, ladies, this is important, and it's easy to overlook. Because I am not suggesting you get a guy who all he does is work. Okay? Does he labor also includes this. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. You want to know something, ladies? You want to look for a man that's a godly husband? When I ask you, does he labor, that implies, does he know how to Sabbath? If you got a guy that only knows how to work, he doesn't know how to labor God's way. Laboring God's way means you know how to Sabbath rest. If you've got a guy and you think, well, this guy's great. He works all the time. I'm so excited. He's going to provide for me and all that. If he doesn't know how to Sabbath, turn around and run away. Laboring God's way means you work when it's time to work and you rest when it's time to rest. That's what it means to labor God's way. Fair enough? These are good. These are super practical. This is why I took them out of the article and didn't do them myself. Because sometimes you gotta, you got to have inspiration from another place. Right? That matters. Number four. The fourth L. Oh, this one's important. Does he lead? Does he lead? I'm going to quote from that article. A friend once asked on Facebook... What is a man? In a rare moment of online inspiration, I replied, a strong servant. 
If your husband loves, he will serve. And if your husband is strong, he will lead. Men, we haven't done a real good job leading our wives and our families. This is the truth. For most Christian men, we abdicate our leadership. And it's a difficult subject to talk about this because in our modern, modern culture, we've seen too many men bully their wives and call it leadership. I'm not talking about bullying, okay? I'm talking about true leadership. By the way, let me remind you of a really important passage on Christian leadership as it relates to husbands. Does that look familiar? To love your wife is to lead them. God's way, self-sacrificially. You, if we love our wives the way Christ loved the church, can I just suggest to you a lot of problems would be fixed. To love the church means to put, or to love your wife the way Christ loves the church means to put them before yourself sacrificially. Leadership in the kingdom of God is servanthood. Those two things are interchangeable. You will lead by serving. And Christian leadership is the opposite of bullying. I mean, we live in a culture where men have taken advantage of women. That's not okay, and that's not what I'm saying. Because like the, the passage after this is, and wives submit to your husbands. And, the, and then, you know, all of this is like, oh, that's not what this is about. No. Love your wife in such a way that Christ loves the church. Serve them, but lead them. What does Christian leadership look like in marriage? I just want to read a quote again from that article. This is good stuff. A leader initiates discussions and decisions. A leader teaches with wisdom and conviction. A leader provides structure and accountability. A leader seeks to set an example and to admit it when he fails. A leader encourages the discouraged. A leader delegates according to everyone's gifts and graces. A leader serves. You want to marry a man who makes you want to follow him. Young ladies, does the man you are considering marrying initiate conversations about spiritual things? Yes or no? Does he encourage you to read the Bible with him? Does he encourage you to become a closer follower of Jesus? See, this is the thing. Leaders, a true leader of a family or a church or whatever, a Christian leader, a Christian leader encourages you to be more like Christ. Does your husband does the man you are considering becoming your husband encourage you to be more like Christ? Guys, it's your job to initiate the reading of Song of Songs each night this week. It does not work very well when the woman in a marriage is the one who has to initiate the godly things. Because it's not designed by God to work that way. Does 
he lead. Number five, the fifth L. You couldn't get away without this one. Does he listen? This is a rough one. Yeah, I know. I heard you. This is a rough one. This is a rough one. First Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Okay? Treat them as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, in our current society, we look at that and say, hey, the women's not the weaker partner. That's not, that's not the way this is supposed to be. Chill out, okay? The weaker partner in the sense of most of the time, women are literally not as strong as men because we have testosterone, okay? So men, when your wife is going to lift a heavy thing, help her lift the heavy thing, you're stronger. Oh, maybe that's not as sexist as I thought it was. But look at the first part. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. I want to read another translation of this from the New American Standard. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. It's the Apostle Paul saying, listen to your wives. Live with them in an understanding way. Listen to them. Guys, we have a problem with this. We don't listen very well, do we? Young ladies, does the man you are considering marrying actually listen to you? Does he? Or not? And what does it mean to listen? Listening means, and this is crazy, all you like teenagers actually having a conversation. Right? So I'm not talking about Facebook. I'm not talking about Snapchat. I'm not talking about texting. Like, I'm talking about you are sitting across a table from this person having a conversation. Like, you're actually looking in their eyes. Do they actually listen to you? How do you know he's listening to you? Because he will ask follow-up questions. When you say something to them, he'll say, you say, oh, my, my day at work was really hard. I, oh, it was really hard. Does he say, so what happened? What happened that made it hard? Does, does the guy you're thinking about marrying actually put the phone away when he talks to you? Or is he just like, is he just like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's really bad. Sounds like a really bad day. <laughs> put the phone away. Go to, this, this is for all of us now. Can I, can I suggest something this week? Go to a restaurant where there's no TV playing a football game or a basketball game. Okay, go to one of those kind of restaurants and just sit there together and have a conversation. Give it a try. Does he listen? Does he listen? Number six, the sixth L. Does he learn? Now, this might be the most important one. Here's another quote from the article. When a young man is 18 years old, we expect him to speak, think, and act like an 18-year-old. He will be a maddening mix of maturity and immaturity. Drive you crazy. But when a man is 35 years old, and he still acts like an 18-year-old man, we have a problem. 
We have a problem. Guys, this is maybe the most important one because if you aren't a learner, you're not going to improve in the other six. Okay? And what do I mean by being a learner? Try this. Guys, when you mess up, and you're probably going to mess up, right? You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. When you mess up, do you learn from them and not do it again? Because that's what it means to be a learner. When you make a mistake, you fix the mistake. That's what that means. I've got a good verse for this one. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11. This is some wisdom from God. That's wisdom right there, young man. Young men, take a good, hard look. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Ladies, you don't want a guy that that applies to. Everybody got that? When you mess up, guys, and you probably will, especially you young guys, you're going to make mistakes. Don't make the same mistake again. Learn from it. I hope I've learned a few things. My wife has told me I've learned some things. So that's good. Appreciate that. Still a work in progress, okay? That's a really important scripture when you're looking for a man to marry young ladies. And the seventh L, the seventh L, will he last? Will he last? Now, this is the the crucial one, but the super difficult one to know. Because you can't know the future. And you don't know if this guy is going to be the same guy. I mean, he's going to change. We all change over time. But will he last? Will he be consistent? You're not going to know. But I can tell you one thing that you can at least have a chance to start with. And this is something we don't talk about enough. And unfortunately, young men don't go to very many weddings. Like young men would rather avoid weddings. The only reason a young man goes to a wedding is if his girlfriend says we're going to a wedding. Okay? Otherwise, or you're, or you're a groomsman. Otherwise, it's pretty much not happening. Right? I mean, you're not just going to show up for a wedding as a guy. I mean, older guys don't just show up for weddings either. Right? I mean, you just don't. Like, I don't want to do this. Okay, they're having a meal afterwards. I might come. Right? So that, that's why there's meals after weddings. So, just take a listen to what we don't talk about enough. Remember I talked about the wedding vows? I always get nervous when people come to me for premarital counseling and say, we're going to write our own vows. It's going to be wonderful. And I'm just like, you sure you want to do that? Are you sure? Like, we need to talk about some stuff. First of all, the candle. That matters, right? Like, we need to talk about the vows, though, because that matters. Like, the candle, the two flames, you become one flame, you can't separate them out again. That matters, right? We need to talk about the vows, There's a reason why there are traditional wedding vows. And we don't talk about wedding vows enough. I'm going to read to you a traditional wedding vow. This should sound familiar to most of you. Okay? Guys, say in your brain your name when I do this. Or ladies, say it the other way around. In fulfillment of the law of God, I, Jason Canole, take thee, Aaron Canole, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold, to love and to cherish from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer 
or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. I pledge all this to you in the sight of God. Will he last? Will he actually take those vows seriously? Because there's a lot of people that they do those vows, and then the first fight they get into, they start saying, let's get divorced. Divorce is very painful. It's touched some in here. In release time, I've been talking about super covenant, super promise. And the kids were all squirrely, and then I talked about divorced, and they got quiet real quick. What does super promise and divorce have in common? And all of a sudden, my sixth graders were having a real conversation. Divorce hurts. Will he last, young ladies? Will he take that vow seriously? Because Jesus talked about what marriage is. Look at Matthew 19.4 and then we're done. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore what God has joined together let man not separate. Will he last? The seven L's of choosing a godly spouse, a godly husband. Now, is it guaranteed? Of course not. Not a lot of guarantees in life, are there? But isn't it worth thinking through these six, seven questions, young women? I think it is. Young man, I'm not expecting perfection from you, but I am expecting as you consider dating and marriage, you better be thinking about these seven L's. And these seven questions, young men, older guys, maybe it's time to revisit these seven L's, isn't it? It's so worthwhile when husbands are men of God. And when wives, of course, are women of God. But that wasn't the focus of this discussion. <laughs> I hope you will consider what the Lord has said about all of this, this Valentine's week. If you would like a copy of that article, I will make you a copy. I will just print it right out of here. And I will, maybe you could get Touchstone Magazine. It's a really good magazine. Subscribe. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you for the young women and the young men in this congregation who are considering big questions. We know, Lord, that the most, in question, the most important question in life is whether or not we serve you eternally. But a close second and a very important question is, who am I going to marry? Who am I supposed to marry? It is my prayer that this information would help us to all become better followers of you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Valentine's Day. Ugh. <laughs>